Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi. The main reason uh, we're joining you during this half hour is to uh, have back a great guest uh, of the show who is rejoining us, John Nichols of TheNation.com. He's a pioneering political blogger who has written the beat since 1999. John wrote a piece that uh, caught my attention, as uh, happens very frequently. This one is called Outcry Over the Austerity Crisis in Flint Grows. So if you'd like to read that piece, you can visit TheNation.com, or you can uh, listen to this interview where we're going to talk a good deal about it. But I do uh, encourage you to uh, read it yourself, as I do with most of John's pieces. Very uh, informative. John, welcome back to The Leslie Marshall Show. How are you doing today? It's great to be with you. I am uh, doing as well as I can in these troubled times. I hear you. Um, you know, speaking of troubled times, uh, I think all of us are feeling pretty fortunate that we don't live in Flint, Michigan. Um, for those of uh, our audience who don't know about the crisis, which I think is very uh, few, um, we're going to be talking about it uh, this half hour. But for those of us who do, um, we first read about uh, Governor Snyder uh, in your piece appointing these emergency managers, which a lot of people were initially hesitant about um, because they were unelected. Um, tell us about uh, some of these emergency managers that the governor uh, has been appointing and uh, what has happened since they've been appointed. Sure. Um, well, it's about a lot more than emergency managers, but that's a very good starting point. It's a touchstone to understand uh, where a lot of these crises come from. In Flint, Michigan, uh, which is a historic industrial city, where, frankly, over the years there's been a measure of pollution uh, and uh, some damage to uh, waterways, at least in the views of environmentalists. Uh, they historically got their water from uh, the Detroit water system, and they had to purchase it, but they got uh, a pretty good quality water. Um, a couple of years ago, around two years ago, uh, Flint was looking for ways to cut costs. Flint local voters were no longer really in charge of the city at that point. The governor, Rick Schneider, had appointed a so-called emergency manager, he did this in Detroit and Pontiac and a number of other cities around Michigan. These emergency managers had uh, really a, a very near total control, and that control allowed a unelected and unaccountable official to make budget decisions. And as you might expect, the budget decisions were made to cut costs uh, rather than to uh, make sure that services were delivered as effectively as could be. One of the budget decisions was to make this switch. The problem was that when they made the switch, uh, they didn't switch to some healthier or better uh, source of water. They switched to the Flint River. And that Flint River water, which they uh, began running through their pipes, uh, had a lot of, a lot of problems uh, by most measures of environmentalists and uh, water quality experts. And what it did was it began to corrode the pipes. In fact, it was so bad, this water was so bad, that complaints began to come almost immediately. People were saying that uh, the water you know, smelled terribly, that it, it irritated their skin, it caused rashes. Even the industrial plants in town were complaining 
about this corrosive water, this bad water. And so uh, despite all these complaints, uh, you didn't get action on it. There wasn't an immediate response. And this is where the emergency manager thing comes in. Now, Flint has recently transitioned toward another sort of oversight, which, you know, still has, has a little more democracy to it, but is, and is made a little better than the emergency manager system, but it's still somebody, you know, telling local officials what they can and cannot do. But during this period where they made the switch, you had an emergency manager. Now, if you switch the water in a town with, you know, traditional democracy, where you have city council, a mayor, very responsive to the people. When the people started complaining, right, what would happen? The local officials would feel the heat. They would, you know, get very concerned, and they would probably act immediately, right? Maybe not do it in the first place, but as soon as the problem arose, jump into action and make sure that things didn't get worse. That did not happen in Flint. When people complained, when they begged for action, uh, they were put off, they were neglected, uh, they did not get the responses they should have from the state officials who effectively had taken an awful lot of charge of the city. Now, you know, fast forward to today. The Flint crisis has become very evident to everyone. It's a national and international concern. And uh, the, the emergency manager who was there is gone, uh, and the... Uh, People who live in Flint are kind of left with this disaster. And the governor, who sort of, you know, had taken their power away from them and created this undemocratic and dysfunctional system, is suddenly pointing the finger of blame everywhere else but himself. He won't take responsibility. He said he's sorry. Sorry it happened. But instead of saying, you know, I did something horrible here, uh, so deplorable that, you know, I'm not... I'm not sure I should continue as your governor. John, we actually have that audio. Everybody else is guilty. We actually have that audio. I want to play that now so our listeners can hear it, and we'll come right back to you. Okay. Government failed you, federal, state, and local leaders, by breaking the trust you placed in us. I'm sorry most of all that I let you down. You deserve better. You deserve accountability. You deserve to know that the buck stops here with me. Most of all, you deserve to know the truth, and I have a responsibility to tell the truth. The truth about what we've done and what we'll do to overcome this challenge. For those whose mistakes contributed to this disaster, we are fully cooperating with investigations and will hold those individuals accountable. And let me be perfectly clear to all of state government, and the, in situations like this, they must come to my desk immediately, no delays, no excuses, period. Now, John, I find it ironic that he opens with government failed you, and he says to those individuals who made mistakes, they'll be held accountable. I mean, to me, he's completely avoiding responsibility despite saying sorry. It seems like one of those apologies when you're, <laughs> you're <laughs> fighting with your spouse. And I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're angry. Uh, yeah. You know, look. Here's the problem. <laughs> this governor is using the language of accountability and the language of personal responsibility to avoid accountability and personal responsibility. He's saying, oh, yeah, boy, your government failed you. And, boy, if anybody you know, did something wrong, I'm, they're going to be held to account, of course. But what he's not saying is that 
almost immediately after his election as governor in 2010, he moved to begin taking away small-D Democratic control of big cities in Michigan. He literally went out of his way to make sure that decision-making was removed from the elected officials who are closest to the people and who actually are, you know, structurally charged with delivering these services, you know, clean water, you know, functional streets, things of that nature. And so government, is, government, right. which he says failed you, yet they're not in the process. Right. You took the, you took the elected officials who are supposed to be responsive to the people out of the process. Then when the people complained, you didn't listen. And I'm sorry, if this governor thinks that, um, you know, somebody didn't tell him there was a problem, that, you know, he was, he was unaware that, you know, children were, you know, having terrible problems, that families were, you know, like complaining about the quality of the water, that there's, you know, people with really serious skin conditions and all sorts of... Yeah, Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha, as you wrote in your piece, who's a pediatrician, reported elevated levels in the blood of Flint children. And Yeah, lead. lead. And the other thing is uh, your... um, your coworker Katrina Vandenhul uh, wrote in a, a piece that she published uh, w- along with the Washington Post that Snyder appointed a task force to investigate the crisis. And among their findings, that legitimate fears were met with quote aggressive dismissal, belittlement, and attempts to discredit the individuals that were speaking out. I know it's just this is an almost unimaginable situation. And again, you understand what I want to what I want people to to fully recognize is. Mistakes can be made. Horrible things can happen. We understand that. But when a man-made mistake occurs, not a natural disaster, then we start to be able to say, well, you know, okay, let's act immediately to help the people who've been harmed, but let's also figure out how this happened. Why did this happen? And the answer, or one of the answers, and there's a lot of factors in this, but one of the answers is that, Democracy itself is an early warning system. When you have functional democracy, elected officials who are responsive to the people who elect them, especially when you take it down to the city council neighborhood level, as is supposed to happen in a town like Flint, um, when people start to have a problem, when their children are getting sick, when even industrial facilities are saying this is bad water, what do the local officials do? They jump into action because that's their reality. They are responsive to the people who elected them. But when you take the power away from elected officials and you hand it to an unelected, unaccountable bureaucrat referred to as an emergency manager, whose job it is to cut costs, to cut corners, to look for the cheapest way to do things, you create a situation where... When a horrible thing happens, when a really bad thing happens, instead of it being addressed immediately and well, it is neglected and is actually, as you suggest from reading that report, dismissed. This is, this is a horrible circumstance, and I will remind people it's not just Flint. It's important to understand. This emergency manager system was imposed on Detroit. It is imposed on other cities across Michigan. And you know what happened in Detroit when they, impo- and they imposed the emergency manager system? They started cutting off people's water in Detroit. There was a water crisis in Detroit last summer so bad that there were people demonstrating in the streets of the city. They had to go to the courts 
ultimately to force the city to stop cutting off water for the poorest people in that city. And so you have these emergency managers who appear to be willing to meddle with water itself. In I mean, order to that, that's the that's the thing. That some of the most basic services you you think you would get, the the most necessary services, especially for for children, for God's sakes. You know, we're going to take a break here. I want to talk more about these austerity policies on the other side. But I, John, I know this makes you upset. I mean, it's a very human situation, and it just enrages me. And and I know that I'm not the only one uh, who's upset. It was actually touched on in the Democratic debate. Bernie Sanders had uh, called for uh, Governor Schneider to resign. Um, and as we go into break, I'm actually going to play uh, what I. I thought was a very strong comment by Hillary Clinton as well. Well, Lester, I spent a lot of time last week being outraged by what's happening in Flint, Michigan, and I think every single American should be outraged. We've had a city in the United States of America where the population, which is poor in many ways and majority African American, has been drinking and bathing in lead-contaminated water. And the governor of that state acted as though he didn't really care. He had requests for help that he basically stonewalled. I'll tell you what, if the kids in a rich suburb of Detroit had been drinking contaminated water and being bathed in it, there would have been action. So I sent my top campaign aide down there to talk to the Uh, mayor of Flint to see what I could do to help. And I issued a statement about what we needed to do. And then I went on a TV show and I said it was outrageous that the governor hadn't acted and within two hours he had. I want to be a president who takes care of the big problems and the problems that are affecting the people of our country. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi, guest hosting for Leslie Marshall as she fulfills her TV duties, as I do each Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. I am very fortunate to be rejoined uh, by the great John Nichols of TheNation.com. He's a pioneering political blogger who's written the beat since 1999. He writes about politics for The Nation magazine as its Washington correspondent. He's also a contributing writer for the progressive and in these times and he's an associate editor of the capital times the daily newspaper in madison wisconsin and his articles have appeared in the new york times chicago tribune and dozens of other newspapers if you'd like to follow john on twitter for some great insight and when he posts his pieces like i do um, all you have to do is go to twitter and follow at nichols uprising and i also uh, encourage you to follow the nation which is just at the nation um in the remaining five minutes or so that we have left john i want to hit two quick points. So I'm actually going to lay them out to you both now, and I'll let you kind of tackle them how you'd like. Um, I thought Dana Ford wrote a good piece for CNN on Monday, and I'm just going to read a a passage from this. Um, It says, a class action lawsuit alleges the the State Department of Environmental Quality didn't treat the water for corrosion in accordance with federal law, and because so many service lines to Flint are made of lead, the noxious element leached into water of the city's homes. 
The city did switch back to the Lake Huron water supply in October, which you alluded to in our interview, but the damage was already done to the lead pipes, and the state is now handing out filters and bottled water with the help of the National Guard. Um, as you outlined in the final paragraph of your piece, uh, just tell me, tell people what you think should be done to make things right in response to this. Of course. Well, you know, we're human beings, and so uh, we must put our human instinct ahead of our political instincts. So the first thing you have to do is make sure that the harm is stopped. And that's, that's a bigger deal than just announcing that there's a problem. Remember, you're dealing with people who, in many case are, the cases, are in really tough, hard-hit, impoverished situations, uh, not always uh, as connected communications-wise or economically. And so uh, the best way to do that is to literally flood that city with volunteers and, uh, I would argue, National Guard folks to get the word out that people have got to stop using this water uh, because the corroded pipes are still corroded and to deliver fresh, safe water in amounts that are sufficient to every household. That's a huge task, but that's got to be the beginning. And exactly parallel to that, there has to be an immediate response to the damage done to human beings and to the households in which they live. And so you've got to get medical care to people who need it. That's going to require more than just the doctors on the ground at Flint. You're going to have to bring medical personnel in. This is an emergency. You're also going to have to set up long-term care programs for people who have suffered severe harm, especially a lot of kids. You're going to have to set up an immense amount of testing. And finally, you're going to have to get into those houses where people live and make sure that their water supplies and water systems are repaired. And there's a lot of repair to do. Then you're going to have to repair the infrastructure of Flint itself. And that's a, that's a huge task. You're talking tens of millions, hundreds of millions, maybe more. Yeah, Katrina said it could cost up to $1.5 billion to yeah. fix the water distribution. We, we don't know the level, of, but we know that, we just have, that just has to happen. Exactly. Otherwise, you have to move. You've got to move all those people out of there. Uh, and I don't think people want to do that. I don't think that's fair to them. So you no, have exactly. to their infrastructure. And so at the end, once we have done these things, because these are the urgent, immediate actions, parallel to this, but not as the first priority, we should seek accountability because elected officials should not be able to get away with this. They shouldn't be able to take away small-d democratic control over a community, have something horrible happen, and then neglect and uh, undermine efforts to repair that damage. And so there have been a lot of different ways to suggest a response. Some people have suggested a criminal investigation. Michael Moore has suggested arresting the governor. Others have suggested recalling the governor, literally petitioning for his removal from office. But frankly, I rather like what Bernie Sanders has suggested, and frankly what a lot of people on the ground have suggested, that for something this egregious and this awful, and something that is a continuing problem because this governor continues to defend his emergency manager approach, and the oversight approaches that he's developed, um, I think there's a very good argument for this governor to resign. John, in our last minute, um, which I know is hard to tackle this in a minute, but I know you can do it, right, okay. is this emblematic of what austerity policies do to people when enacted? Absolutely. This is austerity. Do you understand this? Austerity is the choice of economics over humanity. Austerity is the situation where you say, look, we are so concerned about balancing budgets 
that we will sacrifice almost anything, including, it appears, public health, public safety. And we have to break this, this terrible pattern of thinking that says that, you know, balancing a budget is so important that we put the human beings uh, to the side. doesn't mean that you don't want to balance budgets. But what it does mean is that you don't balance budgets by, you know, switching to cheap and harmful water. You balance budgets by having fair and reasonable tax systems. And so there are answers to how to do this. We know what to do. Fortunately, uh, we still have politicians in both parties who practice the politics of austerity, and that is antithetical to the politics of humanity. John, you're the best. Thank you for joining us. We uh, look forward to having you back soon. That's John Nichols of thenation.com. Follow him on Twitter at Nichols Uprising. Leslie will be right back after this break.